0: Welcome to the Women in Public Policy Program Seminar Series podcast at the Harvard Kennedy School.
1: All right, I'm going to bring us to order, even though um, there
2: are still folks who are getting their lunch, um, in the hope that we'll get a system going where we start by, by quarter of uh, on a regular basis. It's so wonderful to see um, so many people um, turning out and uh, welcome back to campus. Those are you uh, who are returning and welcome. Um, For those of you who are new, I'm Hannah Bowles. I'm the co-director here at uh, the Women in Public Policy Center, where our mission is to uh, promote gender equality through um, the development and uh, dissemination of uh, research insights. Uh, And so part of the function of this seminar um, toward our mission is connecting our community with cutting-edge researchers who are doing work relevant to women's leadership advancement and to gender and public policy. So today, I am really excited um, that we have uh, Michaela Carlana, who has just uh, joined the Kennedy School faculty, and um, and we are thrilled to have her here. So. Um, Michaela does um, work on both gender and race, which is something else that's also very important here at the Women in Public Policy Program, that we're really taking intersectional perspectives. I'm not sure how intersectional you'll be able to get today, but that is something that is a perspective I know you have. And um, without further ado, I'll just stop there. And uh, we're really excited for this work on the potential role of stereotypes in uh, in education and uh, women's advancement in the STEM fields. So please join me again.
3: <laughs> Thank you, it's a real pleasure to be here. It's actually my first day at Harvard Kennedy. Oh. <laughs> 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 really like the best way to start, uh, my here. Um, so today I will talk about how teacher implicit stereotypes actually affect the performance of students uh, in terms of uh, Standardized so test score, but also in the choice of the field of study and their self-confidence, uh, in uh, uh, in their abilities in math, particular. So, despite the impressive narrowing of gender differences in labor market participation and educational outcomes over the last century, still in most countries, boys outperform girls in math performance when they, we are uh, in high school. However, there is a second very interesting fact related to the gender gap in math performance. So we know that the gap is actually wider in those countries where there are stronger gender norms. So for now, you can think just, uh, for instance, in those countries where there is a lower female labor force participation, there is actually a wider gender gap in math performance. So. Um, as economists, we do care in particular about math performance, even if in this uh, talk, if I will have time, I will uh, discuss also the performance in reading. Because per- math performance has been shown to be a good predictor of future uh, outcomes of students, and in particular, a good, good predictor of the choice of uh, uh, going to, into STEM and the choice of attending like science, technology, engineering, and math uh, universities. And so that's why the main focus of this work is in particular on the performance, in how gender stereotypes affect the performance in math of students. In particular, uh, uh, the broad question I'm after is how exposure to gender stereotypes during the life of individuals can actually affect their educational and occupational uh, choices. However, I will uh, in particular focus in uh, uh, in this talk about the teachers and how the teachers can actually affect the choices of uh, their uh, students. I will uh, uh, focus on three set of outcomes. So the first one is the performance in standardized test score. The second set of outcome is the choice of the field of study of these students. Uh, And also, I will focus on the teacher track recommendations. So the type of fields um, that is recommended by teachers to students directly. Uh, And finally, I will conclude with some results on uh, the self-confidence of uh, students. So there are two main challenges in this study. So the first one is how uh, I actually measure stereotypes. And in this regard, I will focus on a measure of stereotypes that is called implicit association test. What I want to capture is substantially whether for a teacher is more normal to associate the scientific field with boys compared to girls. This will be my measure. I will be more clear about it. I will go into the details on how I calculate the measure of stereotypes, but just to give you a broad sense, what I'm capturing is whether it is normal for them to associate math with uh, boys, compared to girls. The second crucial challenge is from uh, an identification perspective. And on that, I will exploit a form of quasi-random assignment, so as good as random, better. Assignment of students to teachers with different levels uh, of uh, bias within the same uh, school and within the same court of students. In this talk, when you, hear, uh, uh, when you hear me talking about gender stereotypes, precisely what I had in mind is the idea that um, girls are better, so that boys are better uh, at math compared uh, to girls. So there are a lot of other gender stereotypes, uh, for instance, related to the career uh, or other aspects. But here, I focus in particular on the idea that uh, men are better uh, at math than right? uh, women. And this is interesting because in the, um, in the in the in the in the, in the, the lab exper- in some lab experiment it has been shown that actually uh, men are believed to be better than women in math, even in those uh, tasks in which both men and women perform equally well. So not only in tasks where uh, women actually perform worse than men. And in particular, I'm interested in the, uh, about the teachers. Because teachers are within this society, they get, uh, they absorb themselves, the stereotypes. And this may affect their interaction with their students. And you can think about the different levels uh, in which this interaction can uh, be affected. So the first one uh, is uh, in the class interaction. So for instance, I have a very, uh, I'm a math teacher, and I have a very tough math exercise to solve. I may systematically call out boys more because I think that overall is better for the entire classroom. So even if I don't want to harm uh, the girls of the classroom, I may challenge more boys because I think that uh, is better uh, overall for everybody in my classroom. The second aspect for which I will be able to provide more direct evidence is on the one-to-one encouragement on the choice of the field of study. And uh, I have data precisely on the recommendation of the teachers, uh, and they know exactly uh, in which direction they are trying to push uh, boys and girls. So what is very important of the measure of stereotypes I'm after is that it's something that can act even without intention to harm the stigmatized book, intention to harm girls in this context. Um, And even without awareness of uh, the teacher uh, about uh, the uh, stereotype system. So we contribute to uh, mainly three strands of literature. So the first one is uh, the part of the literature that uses implicit bias uh, in uh, uh, economics uh, uh, of discrimination. And what I do on this regard is, in particular, I collect a very big data set with information about uh, Uh, the gender uh, implicit uh, uh, bias of these uh, teachers. I have 1,400 math and literature teachers that I interview uh, directly. Uh, And I also collect with that a lot of other information to try to understand which factor this uh, bias, this form of bias is correlated with. And this is like a contribution because it was very uh, tough in this literature to have like a real uh, people that were not self-selected to take this uh, implicit uh, bias test. These are people that somehow I forced to take this test <laughs> because I go there and uh, ask directly with an agreement with their principal uh, to, to do this, uh, to this test. So they don't set, self-select and they have a lot of other factors uh, from their life that I can see uh, whether they are correlated or not. And also I co- uh, contribute by showing that social conditioning actually matters for the gender gap in math performance. Before, there was some cross-country evidence and some evidence using uh, bias in grading. So this is like the first paper that used actually implicit bias uh, of teachers. And last but not least, I provided some evidence that uh, actually women have lower self-confidence in math. We knew that already. But I provide evidence that exposure to gender stereotypes can actually have an impact on the self-confidence uh, of uh, girls in the scientific field. Yeah. So the second where I collect my data is uh, Italy. And uh, I collect information from a sample of 1,400 uh, teachers in middle school. Middle school goes from grade 6 to grade 8. Teachers get uh, assigned to a group of around 25 students in grade 6. Uh, and they get assigned to a, a team of teachers in grade 6. And they stay with the uh, same classmates and the same teachers throughout the whole time uh, of uh, middle school. So it's a kind of like a long three uh, years of, uh, of exposure to uh, these teachers. Uh, the class criteria formation are established by um, the Ministry of Education. What, what is crucial for me is that in each classroom, there need to be the same share of boys and girls for different ability group and socioeconomic backgrounds. And they will be also able to test whether this is actually true in uh, the day. After the end of middle school, students are free to self-select into three different uh, tracks. The first track is called academic track. Uh, The second track is technical. That is something in in between the vocational and the academic, where half of the students go to university. If they do, they go to economics and engineering. That are the two main uh, subfields of the technical track. And the last one is the vocational. That is actually a big issue in the Italian context because it's uh, actually very low quality essentially is a way uh, they, they, they don't learn much. They actually decrease over time. They standardized test score. So this is a, actually a very bad uh, track. Uh, and they just keep students in school. Um, so I have 100 free schools, all located in the north of the country, mainly because in the south of the country, the disability group. Yeah, they don't really follow the rules that they need to have the equal share of boys and girls <laughs> from different disability backgrounds. And I knew that from a different study, so that's why I, I wanted to avoid uh, issues and I focused just uh, on the north of, of the country. Um, and the, date, uh, the, the teachers did not receive any compensation for taking the survey, but the take-up rate was 80%. It's actually pretty good uh, if you consider that it's something they were doing voluntary, well, but they were somehow pushed very hard by the principal, of, with whom I had like, uh, a strong agreement. Uh, so that's why. I had uh, a pretty good take up rate. So, this is what was uh, going on. So, I was going physically to all these uh, uh, more than 100 schools bringing tablets. And each teacher had their own tablet with whom they were completing uh, the, this, uh, this uh, test. So, the crucial part of this uh, uh, research is this implicit association test. So, substantially, what the, uh, they are asked to do is, uh, to, cate- is uh, to categorize words in two different boxes. This is the screen of the tablet. And we have a set of words that appear at the center of the screen. For instance, now math or literature. And they just need to press the blue button on the right if the word at the center belongs to the category on the top right. They need to press the blue button on the left if it belongs to the other category. They have a second trial part in which they have names of typically, typically name of uh, women and, uh, uh, and men, and they begin they to, to do the very simple uh, task in which uh, there is always a clear right and wrong. So I'm not asking them to judge uh, whether math is a scientific or thing. The interesting part comes when they are asked to do the two tasks together. So they have words that appear at the center of the screen that are either subject or name uh, of boys and girls. And again, they need to put it in the right box. The color helps them to recognize whether the word is a field or um, a name. So I tell them if it's in green, it belongs to one of the two green categories. If it's in white, it belongs to one of the two white categories. Each of them does two of these uh, uh, tasks. One in which they have scientific and male on the left of the screen, and one in which they have scientific and female on the left of the screen. If, essentially for them is uh, uh, mentally uh, equally, uh, fa- uh, equally tough to do these uh, tasks. They will be equally fast in uh, task A and task B. If for them uh, they have uh, like a stronger association between scientific field and males compared to their association between the scientific field and females. They will be faster in task B compared uh, to task A. And substantially, what I calculate is a score that tells me uh, how strong is their association between fields and gender. On top of that, I have a lot of other information uh, from their teaching contracts, also their explicit uh, gender beliefs, uh, but also other aspects that are related to their quality uh, uh, as, a, as a teacher in schools. Um, I will provide you evidence from uh, two different uh, identification strategies. So in the first one, what I want to do substantially is uh, uh, to compare a boy and a girl that entered the same class, so with class fixed effect, with the same pool of peers and the same pool of teachers, and I want to see the, if they enter with the same standardized test score, what happened to the gender gap at the end of the middle school. This will it will be with a um, classics effect, and I will be interested in interaction between the stereotypes of the teacher and the uh, gender of the students. Yes? I
1: don't know if you prefer to take questions afterwards. No, no, you
3: can ask me. First. I just have a question of
1: what, what did you tell the teachers when they took the test?
3: So they knew that it was a test about their uh, role of teachers in affecting the high school track choice of their students. So there was no mentioning about uh, the, the gender component and also the race component because I have a second paper that is actually uh, just out in which we analyze the race stereotypes of teachers. I will tell you something at the end. And actually, most of the teachers were thinking that uh, the gender part was somehow a control part for the race bias. Uh, uh, so they didn't really see the within task difference, but they were thinking about more. Uh, yes.
1: Um, this is going in the back of it, uh, so you have the study
2: work that you did in Italy and comparing it to the global. Um, I'm curious just if you can frame, uh, you said that countries that had an implicit gender bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't hear if that was based off of cultural assessment or if it was based off of um, how many women were employed in higher positions? So it, this and, is and like, and it also looked like the study was from two thousand nine and two thousand seven. So I didn't know if there were any more recent announcements. Sort of. So across
3: countries, there are like actually several papers that, yeah. th- th- and th- there are papers. There's one paper that used the implicit bias. And shows that in countries in which there is stronger implicit, uh, implicit bias, there is actually a bigger gender gap in math performance of students. But there are other papers that use the female labor force participation, uh, or they use gender norms from the World Value Survey. So there are different measures, all pointing in the same direction. Okay, yeah.
2: but all from about 10 years ago.
3: Uh, so yes, yeah, uh, there are studies that are, are around the, uh, 2008 to 2009. So, but the first uh, identification strategy doesn't tell me whether boys are doing better when they are assigned to a teacher with more gender stereotypes or girls are lagging behind. So then I have a, like a second controlling, which is essentially what uh, I want to do is to take two girls that entered the same middle school in the same school year, but one is assigned to a teacher with more gender bias, one with a teacher with less gender bias. So this is the second that will show you evidence from both. So let me go very briefly here and show you uh, something that I find very interesting. So uh, we we know that uh, female teachers tend to be less biased compared to uh, male math teachers. So this is the first thing that comes out here. And this is what you can see from this correlation between the gender and uh, uh, this implicit bias. But interestingly, what you see um, in the bottom panel here is that the place of birth of this teacher matters. Let me be more clear on that. So, um, all my teachers are living in the north of the countries, where there are like uh, gender norms are more uh, open compared to the south of the country. What, but 40% of my teachers are actually born in the south of the country, and they know exactly which province. And I find that there is a strong correlation between uh, the uh, place of birth of these teachers. So, if they're born in the south, From the implicit association test, I see that they have a stronger uh, gender stereotypes. And also, if I correlate it with the female labor force participation in the province of birth of this teacher, or like the answer from the World Value Survey questions about gender equality, again, I see exactly the same uh, pattern. Other (coughs) aspects uh, do not matter, like also the ability of the teachers. So, here I show you only some results, but I have a lot of other uh, variables. other aspects do not matter. So, so these are the two that matter. Just a quick um, clarification, because
0: teachers—all teachers or only math teachers? So Did this is mentioned? just
3: for math teachers. Just
0: for math yes, teachers. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so that this just so this doesn't tell me generally whether women are less biased
3: than men, but no. women who are also math teachers yes. are less biased against. Yep. Exactly. So if you see here. Uh, for literature teachers, and here there are only few. Uh, um, so actually, also for math, 20% are male. For literature, they are less than 10. But you can see exactly the reverse. Also for how the test is built, because it's e- always easier for me to associate my own field with my own gender. And here we have like math, te- uh, math teachers that are females, that for them is easier to associate their own gender with their own field. The same for literature teachers that are men. So, this is a little bit of yeah. how the test is through. I
4: through. I should be able to read this off the graph, but I can't. So, uh, women are less biased than men on average in math, but still biased on average. It looks yes, like. exactly. Yes,
3: they're still biased. Okay, uh, so. Um, the last aspect I want uh, to tell you, before going to the results, is that, that there is no systematic correlation between the bias of the teachers and the initial characteristics of the, the students. So for instance, uh, girls that have a highly educated mothers are not less likely to be assigned uh, to a teacher with more bias. Uh, and they have a um, parental education, <coughs> and occupation, initial uh, standardized test score. Uh, I have the immigrant background, and this interaction with the female dummy is never statistically so let me show you here the main result of the this work. So in the first column, you see that uh, girls at the end of middle school, so in grade eight, are lagging behind of around 0.2 standard deviation in uh, math. So when you control for the standardized test score at the, each, at the beginning of middle school, substantially they are lagging behind of uh, additionally 0.08 standard deviation during those, uh, those years of middle school. So in the third column, I include the the interaction between the gender of the students and the bias of the teachers where the measure of the bias is standardized to have a mean zero and standard deviation one so we can interpret this as uh, being assigned to a teacher with one standard deviation more bias how does it affect the gender gap within the classroom and what you can see is that substantially, this gender gap increases uh, of uh, uh, one third when you are assigned uh, to a teacher with uh, one standard deviation uh, more times. And this is what you see in column 3. What I do in column 4 and 5, so first in column 4, I include a lot of uh, controls at the individual level for the students, for instance, the parents, education, and education, interacting also with the gender uh, of the students. And this is actually not affecting a uh, point of, uh, of interest. Finally, in the last column, I also include the interaction between the gender of the students and the characteristics of the, student, uh, of the teacher. The characteristics or the level of characteristics of the teachers is absorbed by the classics effect. So I'm comparing students that are all exposed to the same uh, teacher. But what is not controlled in the previous column is the fact that, for instance, I have female teachers and I am female. So maybe this uh, uh, can affect uh, how well I go uh, in school. But adding these controls actually do not uh, affect uh, the point estimate. If anything, it actually increases. It it does not absorb uh, the main effect of interest here. Uh, here, you can see the distribution of the bias of these teachers. Uh, the zero means that they have no bias. And we have around 30% of the teachers that are in the area with no bias. We have uh, about 45% of the teachers, uh, substantially, have a strong association between uh, scientific field and boys. Uh, and, and what I do now, in order to give you a better idea of the magnitude of this effect, is essentially to compare these three set of classes. Those assigned to a teacher with a pro boys uh, attitude, those assigned uh, uh, to a teacher with no bias, and those uh, assigned to a teacher that associate the scientific field with a uh, uh, female. It's more likely to associate the scientific field with females. And what you can find is that those assigned to um, teachers that uh, associate scientific field with females, uh, uh, the girls are lagging behind a little bit in math, but the gap is not statistically significant, uh, uh, statistically different from zero. The bigger, the stronger the um, bias of the teacher, the bigger the gaps, the gap within the classroom. Uh, And it gets up to 0.1 standard deviation for those classes assigned to a uh, teacher with a uh, strong uh, strong, uh, link between math and boys. Although it is interesting, if you go
0: back, it is interesting to note, no. Uh, not that far. Uh, just, uh, yes, okay. thank you. Sorry about that. There no, seems to be no difference between green and red. Right? Uh,
3: so so I it's mean, is not statistically yes. different. Yes.
0: So it doesn't and matter if somebody has no bias or is against has a bias for, yeah. for
3: boards, right? Yes. For so and I think what is also very interesting is that these uh, these uh, these uh, bars are negative and statistically different from zero. But if you think about that, here, I'm just trying to bring down the fact of one person, so the teachers, that matters a lot for math. But then they have all the exposure in the society. They have the exposure from, uh, from uh, their parents. So essentially, uh, if, if I don't have, like, I needed to have teachers that have a strong association between field and females in order to somehow contract uh, all the rest that is coming from this no, I totally believe the results. I just think it's actually really interesting and
0: really important suggesting that you know you have to go the extra mile yeah. to make up for all of the yeah. you know garbage that people <coughs> have encountered before. Unfortunately you know? yes, and you need to
2: do that extra mile. Um, Can so I just a quick follow on that? Yes. But, but they're also biased, right? So like it's it's really actually contrarian teachers. It's more than unbiased, right? Because exactly. they're biased in favor of girls. They yeah, have to be saying that the girls are actually exactly. better than the boys. So they, they've got to actually have some like belief that boys are like lazy or not good students or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's 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 a little bit sad. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I it? Yes, yes, I'm not saying it's sounds sad. I'm just saying yes. yeah, neutrality yeah. doesn't. Help. No, 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 but it's not. They're not unbiased, right? They're, yeah. they, they are biased, but they're yeah. favorably biased. So yeah. it's a fav- you have to have a favorably, not an unbiased, but you have to yeah. have a favorably biased teacher right. to overcome uh, actually, the societal. So that's norms. why I say, unfortunately,
3: yeah. uh, we yeah. need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So here, the only thing I wanted to point out from uh, all this big table is, essentially, uh, what I try to do is to understand from which part of the distribution the effect is actually coming from. And what I find is that it's coming from girls that were starting middle school being in the middle and bottom of the ability distribution. So for girls that were in the top of the ability distribution, there was substantially uh, no effect of gender stereotypes in their math uh, performance. Uh, and these girls tend to have like, highly educated mothers they may have additional role models that substantially uh, can, can help, compared to a girl that uh, is already like uh, uh, doesn't have any uh, additional support. Here the effect from the, se- the second uh, specification, where you can see what happens if I compare two boys that enter the same school in the same school year, but they are assigned to teachers with different level of bias, And nothing statistically significant happened for, uh, for boys. Well, for girls, throughout the distribution of the bias of the teachers, that is the x-axis, the, 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 the more the, the teacher is biased, the more these girls are lacking uh, behind. And this is the same result where when you include all the controls, you can see that really the effect on boys is a 0, uh, is a 0. And the effect on girls is again, this uh, is 0.04.
1: Just a question about the timing. So, this is
3: a blind score at the end of high school, right? So, when did the exposure take place? So, it took place, um, the exposure was the two years before, uh, this, sorry, the three years before this, uh, uh, this, uh, this test happened. The slightly tricky things, I don't have much time, so I can talk later, is, uh, uh, is when I collect the data, because I collect the data three years after all these students exit. Uh, uh, the, the middle school. Uh, and, the, the, and the reason why I'm doing that, I, I will also follow the new courts. But these new courts, teachers will be aware of the results of this study. And I'm concerned that they are doing something to adjust. And actually, I know that they are doing something to adjust. So that's why, like, I'm not sure, like, uh, using the new court, I will be actually able uh, to see the real uh, effect of gender stereotypes. so that's why I went back.
5: Can you compare the new cohorts with like people you didn't measure for this to actually just quantify the effect of,
3: of just knowing about? This yeah. Study? So this is my <laughs> follow-up. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. So the the second set of results that I wanted to show you is the impact on the choice of the field of study. So are, here I show you the results from two extreme of the distribution. So the the one is the scientific track where there are like twenty percent of girls. They are the top of the ability distribution. And here you can see that there is actually no impact uh, of uh, uh, the stereotypes of the teachers on that top of the distribution. This is actually coherent with the results I showed you before, because there was no effect on girls in the top third side of the distribution that, w- the, that are those that are at the margin of going into this uh, uh, top scientific school. But actually, there is a big impact on the girls that are at the bottom of the ability distribution that are pushed toward the vocational track. In this context, vocational track means beauty center. So this is substantially what they are doing. And there are 15% of girls that go into this, uh, this track, and this increase of 2 percentage points with a, a, a baseline of 50. And the, just to give you an idea, so if we are in a class <coughs> with a, you know, a teacher with a girls' math association, there are 12% of girls that go uh, in this track. It goes up to 19%. In, uh, the, in the um, classes with a, a teacher with a Boys Map Association. And interestingly, this is mirrored also by the teacher track recommendation. So I have this information, not for all the sample, but almost all the sample, about the official track uh, recommendation of these teachers. So the, the school sends to the parents a letter that says, the official track recommendation of your teacher is uh, and the, uh, the specific track. And this is something that parents know and the, uh, the students know themselves. Uh, and then we can see exactly the same pattern. So no impact on the top of the ability distribution, uh, strong impact in the bottom. Sorry, can I ask a question? Yeah. So, uh, it,
4: oh, on the recommendation? Is that so oh, yeah. This is the recommendation. Okay. Yeah, go one. Sorry. (laughs) That one's perfect. Thank you. So it looks like, independent of stereotypes, women are, uh, teachers are actually biased in favor of women pretty heavily in terms of recommending against vocational. Yes. yeah. And the scientific one goes both. It, it bounces around a little bit, but with controls, they actually are so biased well, towards Well So here one. there
3: are, like, just check this one, because here uh, there are the con- female interacted with uh, the characteristics of the students. So you cannot, check. like, really uh, check this. So only this one uh, is uh, the relevant one. So they are slightly biased uh, with scientific. As I said, the vocational track is actually very bad so uh, substantially they tend not to recommend girls uh, for the scientific track this for the vocational track uh, because they are like more quieter uh, in classroom and they tend to co- uh, to recommend only the boys that they are uh, they uh, the those that are misbehaving in the classroom toward the vocational track this is what is happening but actually I was impressed by how many boys, it's almost, 30, almost 40% of boys that get as first recommendation the vocational drug. And this is actually crazy. Like I've been talking with a lot of uh, uh, teachers, uh, and for me, this was like, uh, uh, really shocking uh, to see that this is uh, uh, the first thing they are recommending, since they should know as well that this, this is not really preparing uh, these students well for the, for the labor market.
4: Sorry, can I ask one follow-up too? Yes. Is this the only teacher that makes a recommendation, or are they basically getting a set of recommendations from all their teachers? So they
3: get one unique recommendation, uh, but it's coming from their math and uh, literature teachers together, and this one recommendation. But you don't see the literature recommendation? So I, no, I just see uh, the, the, joint, uh, the joint. So let me show you the last result of so, the last result is uh, on uh, the self confidence component. So, substantially, what I do, you see, the sample is very small because in, uh, um, in some schools I convinced them to go, uh, to go inside and I did an extra survey and I asked them uh, to mention all the subjects that they are studying and to tell me how good they think they are in all different uh, subjects. And what I find is that when you are assigned, uh, when girls are assigned to a teacher with stronger implicit uh, bias, they tend to believe they are less good in math. Uh, This uh, first three, from column two to column four, I control for the standardized test score at the beginning of middle school. What I do next is to control for uh, the standardized test score at the end of middle school. Because actually, I've just shown you that these girls are less good in math uh, because they learn uh, less. And the pattern, so the, the point estimate decrease of one third. it gets uh, significant only with uh, all uh, the controls. But substantially, the point estimate is still uh, negative. So uh, we may be worried that there is not only a direct impact on the standardized test score, but also, somehow, an indirect additional effect on their self confidence, even if we need to be careful, because uh, it's not uh, uh, always um, so what I find interesting of this uh, last set of results is that uh, so we observe women with lower self-confidence in the central field, and, but we actually don't know why, uh, or we don't know uh, how this is developed over time. And what I find here is that actually exposure to stereotypes can actually affect. Uh, the self-confidence uh, uh, level, um, and this is also a nice uh, result to explain uh, the choice of high school and uh, the uh, actual performance of the students. And I have like a, um, a model in the paper in which I uh, substantially bring the stereotype threat model uh, into uh, a very simple economic model, uh, and uh, uh, there is this uh, uh, this mechanism that is played out. Um so how many I should be like
2: you're good. I mean we've we've got until the top of the hour, so
3: Ah oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I thought like uh, they were um okay. I thought it was uh, like forty minutes. which uh, that's why it was uh, like I, a I think I think
2: I think okay. the, the, the note might encourage like lots of you know, time for conversation, okay. but you've been allowing conversation, so that's really oh, okay. and okay. I know okay. I and I'm sure <laughs> others <was> are really <laughs> interested <laughs> in your race <laughs> data, so so <laughs> let me yeah. okay. so
3: um, Uh, Let me uh, spend some time in telling you uh, what I find on the race part, because I think that we can open up some of uh, of the discussion. um, And I can go back on some points. Sorry, because it was uh, maybe 40 minutes. Um, So substantially, what I show you for now is that teacher implicit bias uh, matters for performance of boys and girls. And it has an impact stronger for girls that are in the middle and bottom of the ability distribution, it also pushed these girls more toward the educational uh, track following the teacher track recommendation. This is an interesting part because, essentially, it moves us from stereotypes, that is the measure that I have, to bias, uh, actual discrimination. Because when we measure implicit stereotypes of people, we are not sure that these people actually act and discriminate towards others. Uh, this, uh, this is a, uh, a nice link that shows that they, when people have stereotypes, actually do have discriminatory uh, behavior toward uh, different groups. And the last set of results were on self confidence uh, of uh, uh, girls in math, and the fact that girls exposed to these teachers with more this bias actually do have lower self confidence. So, the, the most interesting part, I think, is what should we do out of these results. Uh, And this is what um, I'm working mainly now, because the implicit association test is an interesting tool, but it has a lot of noise. Uh, And indeed, the true effect uh, I expected to be much stronger, because this is like a very noisy measure uh, of uh, uh, stereotypes of uh, people. And uh, uh, these tests should be used only as an educational tool. We cannot use these uh, test, since there is a lot of noise uh, to choose who to hire in our school. So this is uh, like uh, uh, this is just an educational tool, and then working uh, mainly in two directions. So one uh, one other paper that uh, um, is this work with uh, Alessina LaFerrara, and Binotti. Um, what I did during this uh, um, during this uh, this survey, I also collected the race bias of the teachers. So it's essentially a very similar test compared to what uh, you have seen today, in which I was asking teachers to associate uh, adi- um, to associate, to associate attributes related to good and bad with uh, names of typical uh, Italian names and typical immigrant uh, names in, uh, in our context. Uh, and I had this measure of their race bias. And I asked them at the end of the survey, do you want to receive a feedback about your performance uh, in uh, this test and how biased uh, you are in this uh, test, this will be, um, uh, I told them that this was like a very confidential email, and no one will see the information. But if they wanted to leave me the email address, I would like uh, send them uh, this information. And what we did is to randomize the timing uh, of the information right before the end of semester grading and right after the end of semester grading. And this is very important because immigrant students, not only in Italy, but also uh, in most of the countries where there is a research on, they tend to get lower grades, even when we take uh, lower lower grades from their teachers, even controlling for the standardized test score. So if we have like a blindly grade exam, and a grade exam graded by their teachers, we know that uh, an immigrant and a native getting exactly the same test score in the blind and graded, we have like the immigrants getting a lower grade uh, in uh, in the other test. And so what we tried we tried to do exactly this experiment because we wanted to see whether uh, teachers are simply not aware of their uh, implicit bias, and therefore informing them uh, about it can help uh, reducing their discriminatory behavior. Uh, toward the others, or 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 if these teachers are actually fully aware of that, and they act in a conscious way, uh, and they choose to give to immigrants a lower grade because they misbehave in the classroom, uh, and so they want to penalize them for other things that are not uh, something that uh, is related to their uh, to their stereotypes. Uh, and what we find is that this intervention was actually very effective. Uh, in the closing, uh, closing completely is anything actually pushing uh, mm-hmm. immigrants, um, giving immigrants a, a slightly um, higher um, uh, teacher assigned grade. It was actually increasing the substantial the grade uh, of uh, immigrants and decreasing the grade uh, of natives, uh, slightly decreasing the uh, grades of. Uh, uh, of natives, because what we did was to randomize the timing of the, feed- the feedback before the end of semester grading. Grading, Substantially, half of the teachers got their email the week before they were uh, giving uh, the final term grades. The second half of the teacher got the same feedback one week after. And this was actually a very effective uh, uh, intervention, and this, uh, I think, is very... Uh, important from a policy perspective uh, because now we have all these uh, training about implicit bias. In the U.S. is uh, stronger compared to what is actually right now in uh, Europe and uh, in Italy. But we have no idea whether these uh, trainings uh, or like doing the implicit association tests. Have any impact uh, at all uh, on the, on these issues, and we have been doing it for like some years now. But we don't know whether this is really effective uh, to um, to change uh, the behavior toward others. And this work is uh, is showing that uh, this this could be a promising way to
1: go. Yeah.
3: Uh, girls-only schools? No, unfortunately, there are no girls-only schools in, uh, uh, in our context, because actually there is a lot of research that shows that uh, um, if you take uh, up to a level in which girls are not mixed with boys, they tend to do be, uh, much better, uh, uh, and so. But in this context, uh, all the schools were half and half. I'm
2: just wondering if you've looked at intersections of. Um, Immigrant status and gender because there's a there is a fair amount of research and then anecdotal evidence suggesting that well one there's nice research showing that uh, National cultural stereotypes tend to be more associated with men than with women But then also there's evidence from I know India a lot of different kind of emerging markets that women will actually be positive stereo
3: positively stereotyped in these communities right so This is actually a great point. Uh, to be honest, I haven't done it with this uh, data of uh, uh, stereotypes, but uh, what I did, uh, so I have like one previous uh, paper that is uh, um, is a randomized control trial with immigrants' kids in Italy. So what we did was to take kids at the top of the ability distribution, uh, and we were strongly concerned that their teachers were pushing all of them to vocational track. And what we did was, uh, uh, and so these kids were much better compared to the energy target. Uh, and, uh, uh, and what we did was uh, like uh, almost two years training with a team of psychologists, uh, in which we were following them over time and trying to understand what they wanted to do when they were older, to try to understand which was the best uh, track for them, not to push everybody to the, uh, to the high track, but just to understand what they wanted to do. Um, and what we find in that context is actually that girls in the top of the ability distribution choose in a very similar way compared to native schools. Substantially, they seem to be like much closer to native girls. They they go to the best school. If they are good, they go to the best school. Um, it, uh, and the gap started to emerge when uh, the immigrant girls are on the bottom uh, of the ability distribution. Well, for boys, the gap is very strong at the top of the ability distribution. Uh, and so it seems that uh, um, there is a little bit of this idea that um, boys can misbehave. Uh, especially uh, immigrant boys, if they are misbehaving uh, in the classroom. So the teachers have a little bit of uh, this, uh, this idea. And they did, like, I I went myself to a lot of these uh, schools, and I was trying to, to talk with them. And they were like, oh, but if they don't know, they don't learn all the material, it's OK. Uh, because they, are, uh, yeah, they, they still need to struggle on other dimensions. Um, and uh, they, they somehow set uh, different standards uh, for boys and girls, uh, especially within immigrants. So this could be something that uh, uh, would be actually very interesting. Uh. Can I just throw out just one more study?
2: Like they did these studies about move, move to opportunity here in the United yes. States. So you know those. And those also, yeah. the girls did significantly better moving yeah. to opportunity than the boys did, and related to yeah. this is sort of, yeah. Yeah,
3: exactly. So I see that it could could have different effect on different parts of the exchange. Yeah. This is the only thing that uh, I expect, uh, Yeah. It's a
0: very, I mean, thank you very much, very interesting work. Um, I have a question about the last study that we talked about um, in that um, just for me to understand of whether it there could be, whether it's really the training that makes a difference or whether there's something else going on. It's probably something you've already thought about. So first of all, I'm a big concern about uh, the selection effects that you might have. So I volunteer to get an email from you. Um, is, that, you know, is that a concern for us? And then secondly, I'm wondering whether it is the effect of getting an email from you, independent of what you're telling me, yeah. or whether you see, you know, depending on how biased
3: I am, it does it doesn't have a more bigger effect or not? Yeah. So, uh, so on the first point, so all these teachers volunteered to get the email. So I'm comparing teachers who volunteered to get the email with teachers that volunteered but just got week oh, uh, later. Yes, a week later. So yes. this is like a yeah. So on the second aspect, this is uh, this could be a uh, concern uh, if they get like the email from us and they want to some some, stu- some stu- please us, uh, yeah. uh, and they expect us to see the yeah. some of the, the, the grades right. they give and they want uh, to have like a sort of experiment demand uh, demand effect. effect. Yeah. So on that, I'm not so concerned because this. Uh, so the data that I get do not come from the schools. So schools are not even aware that I work with the Minister of Education. Mm-hmm. And so the Minister of Education collected their, um, the grades they give to students, and they gave it to me. But they had no idea that I observed this uh, uh, these information. So it's not something that I ask them to uh, report uh, neither to the teachers nor to the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's is something that this comes from the Ministry of Education directly, and they have really no idea uh, that I observe this kind uh, this of data. They expect the study to be over with my data collection on the field, uh, and this is what uh, uh, they are expecting. So I'm not so concerned about uh, the experimental demand. On the other hand, the, you could still think that uh, um, they received an email from me uh, and the, the treatment, and so, and all of them are biased. So, if you see that there is a here, there was a, around twenty percent of teachers that had like a curse math association with the race bias is completely shifted to the right. So everybody has a race bias in my context substantially. So almost like to everybody, the, uh, the feedback was uh, you have some form of uh, race bias could be. Um, slide could be strong, but uh, everybody uh, got the, uh, the feedback with uh, some race bias. So and on that we don't find much difference uh, for those that got like a slight bias compared to those that got stronger bias. But what we find um, interesting is that we also collect information about. Uh, um, from some classical world value survey type of questions, for instance, uh, if jobs are scarce, uh, do you think that immigrants should have a right to a job, um, the same right of jobs compared to communities? And we find that the, there is a, like a 20% of teachers that say something like, uh, not really, or like they are not, uh, they are uh, they not, they are not, don't see them as like a, with any equal opportunities. And we find that uh, the defect is uh, stronger for those that uh, think that uh, there should be equal opportunities for immigrants and so The idea is that it, what I expect is that if there is a teacher from Lega Nord, that is uh, the extreme right populist uh, uh, party in our context, and I tell them, oh, you know, you are biased against immigrants. And he says, says, oh, great, I <laughs> do that. Uh, uh, and uh, you just didn't provide any useful information. Well, if like, I'm someone concerned about like the quality, and then I do this test, and it comes up that I'm biased, then like, I may adjust, uh, may adjust more. So that's why like, this is a kind of heterogeneous effect we find that uh, super interesting. Yes? Uh,
4: so I um, do a lot of training around implicit bias, so I'm really excited to know that maybe actually has kind of been using my time. Um, but I'm really wondering about how, um, if you'll have the opportunity to see if those effects persist at all. Um, if, for the policy implications of do the training, tomorrow people will behave well, but a year from now we, we got to do the training again. Or, you know, what's, what's next?
3: Yeah, so unfortunately, we uh, told everybody that we were going to send them the feedback because this was the way in which they let us uh, get their email address. So, substantially, also the control group got the feedback just one week after. So, in the long run, both are treated uh, and they don't have a a clear control group. So, we are thinking whether. So, the point is that uh, how we set up, so we had like uh, some ethics concerned. We were like uh, uh, the ethics board and they told us no, you needed to give the information to everybody. We just like. uh, uh, changed one week substantially from the first to the to the last one, um, but uh, I, I definitely agree that this this is something like we should be able to to do because we should like uh, we need to understand whether we needed to do this training like uh, every time before they grade or whether like we do it once and then uh, they internalize that and we are uh, all set. So this is something like we cannot answer with this. Because there are people out there training
4: judges and saying before you sentence somebody let's do something to activate your amygdala and get you thinking about this and then you're gonna make a more fair decision. But it's like, how, much, how many reminders do we need? Yeah, and when do we need them?
3: When no, this time. is actually great. Uh, and I think that uh, here I should uh, uh, work more uh, on that.
4: Thank you so much, Michaela. Um, I know a few of us in the room are former teachers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is so relevant and you know, just so fascinating. For those of us who work in education policy, what do you see are you know, the takeaways that we should take from your work? What are the extrapolations to the U.S.? What are your recommendations? Yeah, so my
3: first recommendation is what people are doing, like this training uh, and pushing people to do the implicit uh, association tests uh, essentially is helping. Uh, and I know for sure that it helps in the short run. I don't know whether uh, it helps in the long run, but my first recommendation would be, in the short run, these kind of interventions are very cost-effective, because people can do it online. We don't really uh, need to bring them in the lab, and they, this may increase awareness uh, of this. So this is like the first policy implication. Uh, and let me jump here in and, uh, and uh, like talk about the different project that actually. Uh, I'm working on uh, right now. I just did uh, one pilot last year, but uh, uh, it's something I will push uh, and work a lot on uh, these years. And it's uh, a program called uh, Girls Code It Better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and substantially, what I understood. So while I was working on this uh, uh, on this program of gender stereotypes, uh, as, uh, as I said, I think it affects the behavior of the schools uh, because after I did uh, the first presentation, I went to talk with some schools, and they told me, "Oh, but." You know, we heard about a program that is called Girls Coding Call Better that is completely financed by a private job center that is concerned about not being able to match women with tech uh, jobs. Uh, and we wanted to enroll in this program because we saw that this is an issue. So that's why I expected uh, to substantially have like an effect uh, for the next generation. And then I went to talk with these people that are, uh, were uh, working on this project for the past three years and they designed a very nice uh, intervention. This is actually something similar to, to a project that uh, is here in the, US, uh, in the US, it's Girls Who Code, that was uh, from a, actually a Harvard HPS uh, uh, former student. So that's why I was actually very happy to know uh, that there was this link. But this was actually very inspired uh, by that project. Um, and what they have been doing, it, but the, the slight difference is that they work, we work a lot with schools. So it's not something like uh, done outside schools, it's not something done Right after the school uh, day, they, they substantially we what we do we train the girls uh, in uh, basic coding and then they pick some projects uh, and they needed to um, develop the project in teams of around 20 girls uh, throughout the whole uh, school year. So from this year, uh, so from last year actually, I started a randomization because in every school we had like more applicants compared to the 20 seats that were offered for free. Uh, by uh, this private job center. So what I, I told them, oh, this is uh, like, uh, this is good because then we can run uh, the <laughs> randomize because what they were doing before, uh, the schools were picking the girls. And they were picking girls from highly educated sure. parents, and so this job center was concerned because he, they were saying, "This is not the target <laughs> that we are uh, thinking uh, we wanted to, to achieve." And I told them, "I have a, solu- a solution for you that will increase uh, equality for all girls. Everybody can apply, and then we um, randomly select those who enter." Um, nice uh, <laughs> <this is like> <laughs> 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 But yeah, that's why. Like I just got like uh, this week, we are uh, finishing uh, to. Put inside the data from the pilot year, um, and the next year, hopefully, I will be able to convince uh, uh, to have like a, a broader audience uh, of uh, of schools. So there should be forty schools uh, involved uh, next year, and there will be these uh, uh, these clubs, and uh, then will be able to evaluate the impact of these different interventions that hopefully uh, will be able to work also on the uh, self confidence of these girls. And the nice thing is that I'm. Uh, The data collection I'm doing at the end of every year, the one I did in June now and uh, I will do uh, the end of next year, uh, I will not collect information only on the treated and controlled girls, so these girls that do the program and those that wanted to do the program, but also on all their classmates. Because what I'm thinking about and what I'm hoping is that this kind of project can be helpful for the entire school and for all the, the, the boys and girls, that not only for the girls, but also the boys that are close to these uh, girls, and I'm collecting network data. Uh, and I want to see how, for instance, if my best friend is a, um, a treated girl compared to my best friend uh, uh, a control girl, whether this has implication uh, on my choice of high school, my perception of stereotypes. Uh, and my self-confidence. So this is uh, like uh, something else I'm working also thanks to the grant uh, that uh, I just got from uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hi, um, thank you so much for your talk so far. It's been really, really interesting. I was wondering if we could talk more about the mechanism, just
1: because
5: I was a little, I want to better understand the link between self-confidence,
3: performance, given that you said most teachers were reluctant to give to push girls towards vocational track. I know that you mentioned maybe for middle or bottom performing women, especially even also if they're immigrants,
5: would tend to go to vocational. I wasn't too sure if it's, as you said, mostly it was like for immigrant boys that, it was clear that teachers would immediately be like, this
1: is a recommendation to go yeah. into this specific job.
3: Um, so the self-confidence component, I had like a very small sample size. So I tried to do a heterogeneous effect, but it was n- uh, there, there was no power uh, to find a statistically significant effect. So this is something like. Um, uh, I can't like uh, uh, match the heterogeneous effect with uh, uh, the self confidence component, unfortunately, um, and uh, so on. That I don't know exactly uh, from which part of the distribution uh, it was coming. From. So that, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't have like uh, 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 results. But hopefully, like. Uh, m- now that I'm collecting this new data, and I have all, uh, so now I, I will have a, like a very large sample because only this year with the, uh, the trial uh, we had like 6,000 uh, students that we surveyed at the, at the end of the year, and there were only eight schools. So next year, uh, I hope I will be, at, uh, be able to have like a much bigger sample, and I wanted to introduce a teacher again. Uh, and uh, try to see, because the other thing, and this was actually my third bullet point, for whom I haven't worked, I haven't haven't done work yet, but what I really want to do is to try to understand what these teachers are doing wrong in the classroom. Because uh, implicit bias somehow could be very tough to control, Uh, and maybe I can do this very short intervention, give you the feedback, and then you readjust your grading, but maybe just that you are just just the grading and you don't adjust your behavior or like what you say uh, to everybody. So I wanted to understand what they are doing differently uh, in the classroom. Uh, but on that, I need the, again a very big sample. Uh, I was thinking also to use the eye tracker of teachers. Uh, so such as there is a, there has been a study um, here in the U.S. from a lot of a big team, but NYU professor that used the eye tracker. And, and so that uh, uh, substantially, if you are telling teachers that, or oh, you now you needed to watch a video and find the bad behavior, they tend to watch more black blackboards, uh, uh, and they see that with the, the eye tracker. Uh, and I think that this this kind of uh, this will be another way of having like a very effective intervention to teachers because if you then show them, look. You were, I told you that, and now you were uh, checking, like uh, you were watching more at black boys. Then I think you should, like, these teachers should like uh, have a stronger uh, reaction in thinking about how you, they behave uh, directly. Uh, but on that, like, um, I think more research is necessary. So, yes. <laughs> to follow up on that, to build on
1: Hannah's point, given that even unbiased teachers, there are still. Going negative significantly, so you might want to know what are teachers who are biased in the opposite direction doing to, to encourage more team work. Right? Is it they're just calling on people more? Is it giving them extra attention? Is it looking like what is it about that that seems to be at least having this effect against broader societal bias?
3: Yeah. No. That's, that's exactly uh, my point. And because if we know that at that point, independently from increased bias, I can train teachers to do exactly that thing. Uh, and so this would be like ideally. The point is that for all these things, uh, like you need a very big sample because, as such a my treatment is the teacher. It's true that I have a lot of students assigned to that teacher, but still, like my treatment uh, is the, that, uh, and I need like a I need big sample of like 100 schools in order to be able to understand uh, from different uh, angles what, what matters. And, yeah, to collect a lot of data, I mean putting it in a machine learning. Uh, Uh, type of exercise to try to understand uh, what is explaining better uh, their behavior Uh, so this is but this will be something like i I need to find the the right context because in italy uh, for instance i cannot your uh, videotape the classroom Uh, and uh, this is like there is a a rule that you are not allowed so now i'm trying to work out with like I uh, work out a way if I can do that, because I think from that I could like collect a lot more information compared to asking teachers. I, I try to ask some, something to teachers, but I mean, I, I don't think the data are very good, uh, and it would be much better uh, from videotaping, uh, or like just change context. So it, like it would be in the research agenda. <laughs> uh, I know you said that you don't have the, because of the self-confidence aspect, but I was
1: wondering if you've continued to look the cohort as
3: they progress through kind of high school or whatever. So, I yeah. you know there's effects of like, um, well, in the UK, you see effects on outcome after university based on uh, academic self
1: belief. and That's different between men and women, and that's like the biggest predictor of like the gender differences in outcome in university. So, yeah. I'm just wondering if you've
3: seen any. Yeah, so actually, impact. I, I would be able to see that because I've already got an agreement with the Minister of Education to match all my data with the uh, university enrollment and labour market. Uh, but uh, these are too young, yeah. yeah. so I need to wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, yeah. so all these data uh, will be able, I will be able to match them. So, do you think that
4: the results, uh, in particular those related to racial bias, supports the idea of maybe a name line testing
1: in schools?
3: Yeah, so I mean, we know that, but the point is that so it's true that uh, yeah, I find an effect on the, um, how they grade their students. To be honest, what I'm more concerned is uh, what happens beyond grading. Because it's true that grading is uh, something important, but if I discourage you every time we, uh, we talk, independently from uh, blind or non-blind uh, grades, this can have an like, uh, uh, implication that I'm really concerned. So that's why I was saying that uh, I would like to understand what we are doing wrong uh, and uh, somehow train teachers uh, on something that they can control. But it's true that for sure, like uh, at least correct the part of like biasing uh, bias in grading, blind grading would um, be uh, very helpful.
1: Yeah. Um, so at the moment, right, there is a series about an American high school, which is a 10-part series about, basically, about sort of really diving into the achievement gap between black and white students. Um, it's, the, the, it's about, it's a documentary series about Oak Park River Forest High School and its on stars and it's made by the superstar director, uh, Steve James, who actually lives in the community and whose kids went to the school and so did my grandchildren. So it's an incredible interest and it, it has the best sort of view that I, there have been three out of ten parts so far. But the view of, you know, what is it that is driving the the gap and what are the experiences of the kids and the teachers and the parents and the community, you know, how, how does this thing actually play out? And it is really, you know, it's remarkable. It's called America to me. And um, I I just recommend it so highly as a as a way to um, kind of, you know, get into that. Um, real piece of what is it that's actually happening in the school, in the community, to the kids, to the parents? You know, when it, when this when a child is trapped, like you say, into vocational, mm-hmm. right? And you you know, it may it it's going to be a child, and you feel that maybe the school doesn't know well at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like the factors that are that are driving this are um, so deeply embedded in so many different places, that it's really, you know, for me or I, sort of like, I'm just watching this and you know, I have been to that school, I've been to concerts there, you know, I've seen the, you know, these two kids of mine who, grandkids who, who did really well at the school, but they've been talking the talk about achievement gap forever, right? And, you know, this is, this is I think, a real eye-opener as to, you know, all the different courses that, uh, that play into it. So for yours, you know, what's happening in the classroom, i recommend it. Would so you I mind
0: sending you maybe somebody at mm-hmm. the government public policy program a link? Sure. Or something that we can yeah. provide I mean, okay. we'll yeah, the yeah, link to I mean, anyone I mean, else who's interested in that yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: that's
0: me, you Thank you. Thank you so much.
4: much. I think you know, I'm generally against policies that put the burden on the girls. But I wonder if you could learn from your data <laughs> like this, something about resilience too, right? So mm-hmm. in the interim, before we've de all the teachers, which might yeah. take some time, like what is it about the girls in your study who are impacted, right? And, mm-hmm. and can we, just like you think about training the teachers to do certain things, can we equip girls in our classroom with certain skills or role models that will make them less susceptible yeah. to gender stereotypes in the classroom? No,
1: this is exactly
3: what I'm trying to do with girls called it better. So this is a, like trying to understand why they don't uh, go to STEM uh, so much, and whether like, it's because they believe they are not interested. So they, the moment in which you expose them uh, to this kind of a new technology, they start to think, oh, wow, I, I like it. Uh, and uh, I start to be interested in that. But then in the questioner, um, there, there I'm asking a lot of stuff, and actually I can be asking actually more, to try to understand how uh, this decision is formed, Um, it would be like uh, something I've ever done is to try to uh, add in this story uh, the role of parents and how their interaction uh, play a role in uh, how girls choose Uh, and because if you can think simply like uh, what do they provide uh, to them uh, like uh, from the tools uh, from the simply uh, toys or tools that they have like throughout their whole life can affect uh, what do they end up uh, choosing this would be like something very interesting. Like I, I agree that it's not necessarily like, it's not completely teachers, um, and there is all these other components that we need to try to understand. That, um, which, like, yeah.
5: um, there's a study or like of observation about like HBS, how like when HBS, the at Harvard Business School, when um, you had to raise your hand to get called on, women raised their hand a lot less, and then when they switched to a cold calling system. Um, where you had to randomly, you didn't raise your hand, like women were answering at the same rates and then their grades, which are 50% participation, went up. Um, I wonder if something like that might be going on here. If if there's like a way of like a simple intervention that you either do to see if it's going on or rule it out, potentially be if you were able to create like a randomizer so you get some teachers like business as usual control but then some teachers you give a randomizer to and they have to call on the next name that comes up in the randomizer and so like something as simple as that so even though you won't be in the classroom you can't observe and like you'd have to do random spot checks, like, so things like what if you did something like that to see if it at least is just like girls don't raise their hands teachers call them boys more you can't just but
3: if that type of yeah. intervention could both like diagnose, but then also potentially solve it, no, yeah, I agree. So the way I see it is that um, now I'm a, a step in which I want to understand what they are doing. So if it is, the, for instance, like uh, the fact that they are not calling out okay. close enough. So and I think that uh, uh, even if like I really like, uh, as you see, like I did a lot of randomized control trial, but I think that. Now for me, it's a step to try to understand uh, and try to collect a lot of data to understand what is going on to then design like an intervention that is exactly on that uh, thing that may matter. Um, So this is how I see it now, but I'm very, it's still something like I haven't like, I have just an idea uh, on how I, sh- I would like to do it, but it's still like, uh, is far from being uh, implemented. So I'm very willing to, to take any. Uh, but this is, for sure, of the code going nice. So I know you of you that, that, but I was wondering if you have variation
1: with, if within school, you have a lot of teachers who bias or not. Like,
3: if you have variation among the same same school and the reason why I'm asking them
1: is there's some evidence showing that school principles have a quite big impact on students' uh, educational outcome and I was wondering if you could ask them to pass the test for example <laughs> or
0: yeah. if it's something that you ever thought about That the idea that the school is
4: like an environment where teachers talk to each other and maybe what's happening in one classroom might
3: influence the way other. Uh, so no I definitely I agree. agree so I started to go that way Uh, And then uh, I discussed with uh, my advisor, but what we were concerned about is that, uh, so with the school fix effect, substantially I absorbed, because all these teachers are like in the same room during the test. Uh, And I find that some, there is like a substantially the school fix effect is uh, sometimes that is significant. But it could be also because they are in the same environment, so let's say something happens that they interrupt everybody, I don't know, uh something that affected differentially the different schools. So that's why like I at the end like I stopped uh, to push that wave with my data now because I don't think that is good enough. I also actually interviewed the principals uh but only with like a pen and paper survey because they were often not in the school because they have different schools. So when I was going there they were not often uh, in the school. So I sent them the pen and paper questionnaire about for instance like I was asking them to rate their teachers substantially, or like how they create the classroom in order to make sure that it was a, a, it was a did they didn't like pull all this, the, the, the students together. So I was trying to ask these other aspects. I tried to ask something, some things on gender equality or this, which kind of project they this, do uh, in the this school. But this was like, a, I think, too broad. I should have been like a, a more focused on principle in order to get something out of that. But again, it could be something on that. But you can do
2: expressment. They're still still there. Yeah. Yeah. Or like in a different sample. Like can I take like one minute before we transition. But um it it, going back to that move to opportunity uh, study, you know, you you had all these economists who were studying this, but then Kathy Eaton, who's this really brilliant sociologist came in and did this really deep qualitative study of what was going on with the girls and what was going on with the boys. And that qualitative study helped to kind of generate new hypotheses around. So I mean, it's possible, too, you might want to think about yeah. partnering with somebody who does qualitative research to do, like, like your like your image of the very in-depth study of the what, what's really going on in the classroom, but if
3: you had somebody with those. No, no, I agree. Like, I really think that before, that because it, at the point in which I will train these teachers, I will invest a lot of uh,
1: yeah.
3: uh, effort and resources to try to do that. But I want to make sure that uh, I'm training that I'm training them for something that somehow at least is correlated with the outcomes I want. Uh, it's true that my training then uh, needs to be well designed in order to be effective or a lot of other things. But first, uh, I really think that it's time for some uh, step of qualitative work it could still be within some, uh, uh, maybe like lab experiment or like yeah. uh, some additional uh, components for these teachers, but still like collect more data on the qualitative part and partnering with uh, uh, pupils that have more experience on that. that, would be great.
2: Well, this is wonderfully exciting, you so and we are <laughs> we